it is American Thanksgiving, the most wonderful time of the year. If you're American and if you're a Canadian, you are relentlessly looking at the NHL standings because chances are if your team is not in the playoff spot by American Thanksgiving, it might be early season curtains for you. We talk about the potential outliners that could soon buck that trend. Episode 389 of the Lace Mop Podcast starts right now. And welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Zuboff. And uh, Brett, uh, we are going to be talking about American Thanksgiving standings today. Yes, yeah. Um, it's, um, yeah, there's always, I, I guess it's it's been like a theory or something that um, these hockey pundits always mention is that by the time um, of uh, American Thanksgiving, those are your playoff teams. Um, there's no if ands or but it. But I think like last year, only like two. There was only two differences um, from last year. So maybe there is something to it. I think like some sometimes like obviously it's not always the same. Like for instance, like right now, um, there is a couple of changes that I'm looking at the standings, but we did record them on friday or in the morning of friday on black friday um just so that we had it in our record books um but now that i'm looking on the actual standings today on monday the 27th i'm like oh i'm noticing some changes which is kind of interesting too so um so yeah it's it's you know it's just uh i guess it's kind of just a fun exercise regardless of like where we're at even though Obviously, it's still early. It's um, it's not even halfway through the season yet, but a quarter of the way through the season, uh, it's still something, you know. Um, all right, so we're going to start off with the Atlantic or the Eastern Conference, and then um, we have these two questions on which team has really surprised you this season and which non-playoff team is most likely to fight back. So we're going to start off with the Eastern Conference. On the Atlantic side, we have Boston, Florida, and Tampa um, as your big three. Um, In the Metro, we have the Rangers, the Capitals, and the Hurricanes um, as your three. Um, And then in the wild card, you have uh, Toronto and Detroit um, there. Uh, The reason why I mentioned when I was looking at the standings just now I noticed that Detroit is in the third spot instead of Tampa, so but Tampa's in the wild card, um, as well as Washington isn't even in the playoffs at this current moment right now. So, uh, so that's kind of interesting as well. Um, but, um, but yeah. So we're gonna start off with which team has really surprised you this season. I think I'm gonna actually go with Detroit. Um, I think like we did talk about them even in the off season. And I was, I was skeptical of the JT Comfort move. I was skeptical of the James Reimer move. Um, but I did think that DeBrin Cat and Gosses Bear were going to make somewhat of a difference. And it looks like that has happened. Um, but um, if that's gonna continue, oh, I also like the Daniel Sprong move as well. Um, but it looks like he's going to be kind of like a, he has a similar role as he did in Seattle. Um, but um, if that's going to continue, I guess it makes some sense. I I just don't know. 
um, if their goaltending is for real still. I'm still skeptical on that front, but yeah, they're definitely a more improved team than they were in the past. I would probably say the thing that surprised me the most is the Florida Panthers, just in the case of they did better than I expected them to with yep. a lot of key early season injuries. Now they have Aaron Eckblad back in the lineup. They have Brandon Montour back in the lineup. Uh, obviously, it's wait and see in terms of what they're going to get out of their goaltending from a season-long standpoint. Um, and honestly, their superstars have been... I don't feel they've been generating as much NHL-wide noise as they have in previous seasons. Uh, I would probably say um, the quietest surprise of the entire season, in fact, is Sam Reinhart, just because mm. he's a guy that um, in previous seasons um, was a, a good player, but again, uh, not a great player. And he's come out of the gates firing on all cylinders, cooled off a little bit, but still has 13 goals and 25 points in his first 21 games. Uh, so the way he's really been uh, an offensive conductor for the Panthers has put them in a position where um, I think they would probably be first in the Atlantic division, if not for the Benjamin Button Boston Bruins, who for yeah. a, whatever reason, again, continue to turn back uh, the clock and uh, put forth good season after good season. Yeah, the, yeah, it's funny that, like, we both didn't say the team that's actually kind of been surprising, um, which is the Bruins, because they did lose Bergeron, they did lose Krejci and Taylor Hall, um, and, yeah, it doesn't seem like they missed a step, although they did lose three straight, so that may they may not still be the top of their division, the top of the league right now. I feel like they're, they're reaching a tailspin at the moment. Um, but, I also kind of feel the Rangers, uh, yeah. if we're talking about good teams that are somehow better than what we thought, with the, finally, the emergence of Lexi Lafreniere yeah. um, being as dominant as he's been, but also Jonathan Quick with Shashurkin out, he's quietly put together uh, decent numbers too. Yeah, also like Panarin is scoring goals now. Um, that's like something, because usually Panarin's good in his own right without the goals but the fact that he has 11 goals right now it's like uh, it's kind of like a little unsettling because it's like he's not usually a goal scorer or we haven't seen that since his uh time in chicago um so it's kind of interesting that he, oh it's, he's shooting more um and this is just a different team and a different set uh, but yeah jonathan quick's also been really good too um yeah and i i, I mean we'll, we'll talk about this in the rapid fire but i think um the fact that Vasilevsky is back um, and Tampa was still still managed to be in a playoff position without their star goaltender um, speaks volumes to how good this team is. Um, so, like, the fact that Vasilevsky is coming back, um, that is another thing where it's like, oh, that is kind of surprising that they were able to even be in the playoff spot um, even without their, their star goaltender. Um in terms of which non-playoff team is most likely to fight back, um, I still have some hope on Pittsburgh. I still have some hope on Buffalo. Um, I think New Jersey might have the best shot, though, of fighting back. 
um, simply because they do, because I think a large reason why they were losing so many games was because Jack Hughes was gone for a time, Nico Heischer was gone for a time, Nico will talk about it in a second as well, but um, I I do think that they're, they're, they have like enough players that they could they could figure this stuff out um, and, and make a true run um, now that they are fully healthy. Um, and that's all assuming that they're still fully healthy. Um, but I, I'm kind of surprised that the Devils are, are as far back as they are right now. Um, it, it will take some time, though, because they have currently, they have 19 points. Uh, the Flyers, who are in the third spot, in the Metro have 23 points, um, and same as Toronto, who has the second wildcard spot. Um, but I, I don't know. I feel like just uh, all the Devils need is just uh, like a, a winning streak, and that's definitely possible for the Devils. It's not like out, so out of the question that, um, that they're out of it. I think one of two things are going to happen. Either New Jersey goes on a hot streak or they make a change for a legitimate number one goalie. Um, I think Vitek Vanacek and Akira Schmidt can be a tandem in theory that can put forth good regular season numbers in the the playoffs like flip a coin. I have Mm -hmm. no idea what to expect from them. Um, They haven't even been decent in the regular season, in my opinion. And now Connor Hellebuck is out of the picture, but if Nashville continues to sputter and if a guy like UC Saros becomes available, I can see the Devils being a team that targets UC Saros, and they yeah. definitely have the assets to trade for any big-name goalie that's out there. Um, and I think the most likely thing that happens is they make that big trade, and then they go on a tear and they make the playoffs. So I definitely think the Devils can turn it around, and they're the most likely to. But I think a big move needs to happen first. They also have Nico Heischer back, so that helps. Yeah. Well, I I think largely why I think the Devils will come back is that we've seen it before from last year. And I think a large reason why they were so dominant last year was because they weren't injured. So now that they have Hughes and Heischer back... um, I, I think they they can definitely make a run and all that stuff. Um, is there any other non-playoff teams that you're thinking could fight back? I mean, there's a chance the Sens could pull it together, <laughs> but I'll believe that. that when I see it. Um, there, there's just so many inconsistencies in their game. There's still those five-minute stretches where they give up a couple of goals, they lose control of the game for a bit, and before they can wake up, and get back on track. They've already lost the game. Yep. Um, I think if Buffalo gets Cage back and he returns to superstar form, they have a shot, but uh, they've been kind of underperforming. I, I know people are going to say, oh, Pittsburgh Penguins, Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, my concerns with the team remains the same. I think they're going to miss out. They'll definitely keep it close, but it's just a very crowded race in the Eastern Conference where like for example, on Thanksgiving, uh, on Thanksgiving weekend, uh, the morning of November twenty third, you had the Maple Leafs occupying the first wild card spot with twenty two points. Detroit behind them, holding the final wild card spot at twenty one. Philly is tied with Detroit. They have uh, the New York Islanders with nineteen points. They're two back of Detroit and Philly. 
Then you have Pittsburgh, three back of those teams with 18 points. Same with the Sabres and the Habs, who mm-hmm. are in the mix as well. I don't think that lasts. Um, it's it's a very, very tight race um, in not only the divisions, but in the wildcard positioning. Uh, one losing streak and end a team season at this point. Yeah, it's it's getting to that point for sure, but it's it's kind of weird to say that because there is still like three quarters of games left to play. But yeah, it is getting to that point for sure. Um, I uh, I somehow knew you were going to say the Ottawa Senators because you are a homer. Um, currently, they say that Pittsburgh on on money puck. They give out odds here. Um, they say that. Uh, the Devils do have a 57.9% chance of making the playoffs. They are giving the Pittsburgh Penguins 43% chance of making the playoffs. So um, I guess they know something that we don't. Um, but I, I do think the, the Penguins do have a legitimate shot. Maybe it's because of the games in hand or something like that. Um, yeah, and Buffalo, I thought, I think Buffalo, I guess because of Tage Thompson being out for long, that is going to do them in and, there's also some uncertainty in their goaltending side of things that I'm not sure if they knew that uh, or if they are aware of that. But um, so so maybe that's something. But yeah, Buffalo has an 18.9% chance. But I did want to shut them out. Um, also, it's kind of surprising that Philadelphia is. Um, I guess currently they're in a playoff spot, but at this at the Thanksgiving divisions they were just outside of it um so so that's an interesting team they could be a sneaky team to make it but um ultimately they'll probably decide to fade i imagine um okay uh so now we go to the western conference um on the central uh you have dallas colorado and winnipeg um as your three teams then you have vegas um Vancouver and LA on the uh, Pacific side of things and then um, and then as a wild card you have St. Louis and Seattle um, currently there is some um, hold on I just had it and then I didn't have it um, so currently on the Western Conference uh, Colorado's on top um, Dallas is in second, and Winnipeg's still in third. Um, and then, yeah, Vegas, L.A., and Vancouver. So there is some, like, s- sliding down and up, but more or less they're the same. Um, and the wild cards are still St. Louis and Seattle. So it's a, it's a little bit better, or some slight changes, but not anything earth-shattering uh, like it was on the Eastern Conference. Um but which team has really surprised you this season? I think I'm going to go with um, the St. Louis Blues. Um, I think it was more that, because um, I think before I had thought that Jordan Bennington was done. Uh, I knew you were going there. Um, and it was all over. They have to figure something out with him. Um, but, yeah, he's actually been pretty good. Um, I mean, he's currently he does have a 909 save percentage and a 2.89 GAA. Um, but uh, he also does have 400 saves, uh, which is a lot. 
Um, and he went, he had, went six, five, and one, um, as well as a record. So that's not bad. Um, I also, I, I think there's like, you know, the fact that Robert Thomas is back to what we, like, he's bouncing back nicely, 22 points in 20 games. Um, Buchnevich, uh, with 16 points. Um, I don't think it's going to continue, uh, but they are definitely better than I thought they would be even still. Like, even if they do start to slide, which I kind of, I'll, I kind of expect that to happen, but, but I think, um, they are, they have impressed me so far this year. To add to your point about Bennington, I'm more impressed that he hasn't taken a penalty minute yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because that's uh, the main distraction, uh, not just the high GAA and the low save percentage, is the fact that uh, Bennington at times is a hothead. Mm-hmm. And zero penalty minutes, uh, even pitching in with one assist, um, that's pretty good. Uh, to put into comparison his goals against average is save percentage from previous years, in 2021-22, uh, 3.13 GAA 901 save percentage uh, last year, 3.31 GAA, even higher than the year before, yep. 894 save percentage lower than the year before. So when you consider that those uh, two seasons were as recent data to look at, 2.89 GAA and 909 save percentage um, it are pretty good stat lines. Uh, they can be better, but definitely a, a positive sign. In terms of my surprises, Brett, um, I would probably go with the Arizona Coyotes, a oh, wow. uh, team that we have talked about in email chains um, throughout the course of the year. Um, as of the uh, November 23rd, American Thanksgiving 2023, uh, they are 8, 9, and 2, which I think is probably what we expected. 63 goals for, 63 goals against. Um Heading into American Thanksgiving, they had lost three in a row, so they're actually a little bit better before that losing streak. One guy that really surprised me in particular is Connor Ingram, who is getting the big games in net for them right now. 7-3-0 on the year, uh, 2.64 goals against 9.20 save percentage with a shutout, and that shutout was against the Vegas Golden Knights. Like, how many teams are shutting out the Vegas Golden Knights? Um... And in comparison to Carl Vomelka, he is 2-6-2 and two on the campaign, 3-4-5 GAA, 8-92 save percentage. So they're easily riding the hot hand in Connor Ingram right now, and he's playing the best hockey of his career. Also, the fact you have Logan Cooley, who is looking like an NHL player this, mm-hmm. this early in his career, uh, is definitely uh, a breath of fresh air that Coyotes fans have been hoping for. I'm not going to say that not in a playoff spot that they're going to make the playoffs. There are a lot of teams on paper that are better than them that are not in the playoffs, Edmonton Oilers. But that being said, um, they are going to give teams a run for their money every single night. And compared to what they were a couple of years ago, that's definitely better than what we could say then. Yeah, actually, they were going to be my answer for the next question. So I, I do think that they have a, a good shot at making the playoffs right mm. now. Um, I actually thought you were going to say Vancouver. You would be surprised by Vancouver or Winnipeg um, um, being in a playoff spot right now. Yeah, you know, you, you know. could definitely make a good conversation there as well. Yeah. Um, I just feel like the way Andre Turney is coaching that team. Yeah. 
I think they're growing as a unit a I, lot faster than people expected. Yeah, so that's I, basically why I picked them. But yeah, Vancouver, Winnipeg, there are a lot of surprises in the West now that I think about it. Yeah, yeah, no, that's totally fair. I, I guess the, yeah, I, I think, well, we talked about Vancouver last week, um, so <laughs> we can already, you know, we don't have to go back to that discussion. But yeah, they were definitely a surprise. Um, but I think they'll still be in the playoff spot. Um, granted, there there is definitely because Vancouver has been known to be one of the most inconsistent teams we've seen in the last couple of years. So it is very possible that they could fall off. But um, but there's that. Winnipeg is kind of surprising um, in a way, just because it's like we thought that Connor Hellebuck wanted out. We wanted we thought that Shifley wanted out. But it turns out that, oh, they have kind of figured it out. And, of course, Hellebuck and Shifley signed all these extensions. And now, you know, Hellebuck hasn't been as good as he used to be. Um, He has a 908 save percentage and a 2.65 GAA. But, uh, but yeah, he's still 10-4-1, so that's not bad. Um, And also, Shifley has 23 points in 20 games. Um, Same with... um, Kyle Connor, who has 23 points, so, um, and maybe there's a return of Cole, Cole Perfetti, or, um, uh, I guess he's, like, a welcome to the NHL, kind of, like, breakout season, uh, with 17 points in 20 games, so, um, so maybe there is something there, um, but yeah, that, I think that's kind of also been my surprise, like, oh, I guess Winnipeg's in a central division spot now, which is kind of surprising, um, they're also getting a score by committee. If you look yeah. at uh, the other guys, Mason Appleton, remember him? 15 points in 20 games. Need a rider with 14 yeah. and 20 as well. Ayaflalo has been looking good. Adam Lowry with 13 yeah. and 20 as well. Um, and Josh Morrissey being Josh Morrissey. Yep. Yep. Um, in terms of which non-playoff team is most likely to fight back, yeah, I was going to say Arizona, but you also kind of mentioned a lot of those points that I was going to make. But, um, but yeah, I did also want to shout out Clayton Keller. I think he's actually the most underrated player um, currently. Uh, 19 points in 20 games, um, but 61 shots. But, yeah, he's clearly their best player right now. And if he can, like, get them into the playoffs, it's like, oh, okay. That's, you know, he definitely has that potential. Um, Mike, uh, Matthias Michelli, um, is another one that I wanted to shout out as well. 16 points in 20 games. Same with Nick Schmaltz. I feel like every single player on this, on this Arizona Coyotes roster is somewhat underrated. Um, Dude, Sean Jersey is having an incredible year offensively too, and nobody's talking about it. Yeah. I mean, I was just about to mention Sean Jersey, uh, Lawson Krause, um, as well as another one, Nick Bukestad. Um, so, um, yeah, there's a lot of these guys. I mean, although I guess, like, they say, like, oh, Nick Bukestad, he has 14 points in 20 games. It's like, oh, I guess that's not that impressive. But um, but at the same time, it's like watching them play, or same with Sean Terzi, as you're alluding to. It's like, yeah, he's having a really, really good season with uh, 12 points in 20 games. But, uh, yeah, he's, you know, he's been kind of the defenseman that the Coyotes have really wanted for a long time now. Um, and he's only going to get better. So there's that as well. And, yeah, you had mentioned Logan Cooley, who's another one. So um, that I think that's going to be the one that I think is most likely to fight back. 
Um, of course, I feel like Edmonton did beat um, Anaheim 8-2 to last night, um, and which I think is either a sign that Edmonton's back or that Anaheim is not back. <laughs> it's the second one. Or both. But, um, but I do think Edmonton, like, we can never count out Edmonton. Um, so there is, I mean, they, they do have 15 points currently. Uh, Seattle, which has the second wildcard spot, has 21 points. Uh, Vancouver, who has the third uh, spot in the Pacific, has 29 points. So, yeah, there is a lot to catch up on for if you're Edmonton. But at the same time, if they can, if Edmonton can continue, I know this is Anaheim and all, but if Edmonton can continue uh, to um, to win these types of games, it's like, oh, okay, maybe we're we're cooking with something. Um, so I I know this is the biggest story um, so far, and people are probably sick of us talking about them, but I don't know. I I think Edmonton could could definitely has the potential of these non-playoff teams to fight back um, compared to everyone else. Um, yeah, so I, I think I'm going to go with either Arizona or Edmonton. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I, I guess you can't really count out Nashville or Calgary or Minnesota. Uh, those are the other three teams, but um, but yeah, I, I think my I'm I'm still gonna say Edmonton. I think I think they have a potential of making the playoffs. I definitely think Edmonton, in terms of the teams that are not in a playoff spot on American Thanksgiving, they have, offensively speaking, the most capable roster of catching fire and turning the tables. But they say defense wins championships, and if you give me the option of Edmonton's defense or Minnesota's. I'm taking Minnesota's 10 out of 10. Um, Jonas Brodeen, Jared Spurgeon, need I say more? Um, their goaltending was one of their biggest strengths last yeah. season. It hasn't been this year. If Philip Gustafson and Marc-Andre Fleury can snap out of it and figure things out, um, they're firing on all cylinders. And plus, you have guys like Marco Rossi who are starting uh, to play like NHL players. Obviously... Kirill the Thrill, Kaprizov, Matt Boldy, Joel Eriksson-Eck, um, and a lot of underrated talents surrounding them. Uh, I would definitely say Minnesota is the most likely out of the teams not in a playoff spot on American Thanksgiving uh, to find themselves in one as to where they fit in. I don't think they surge to a top three spot like they did last year. I think they're more likely to be a wild card, mm. but I do think they're the most likely to, uh, to make a play. Yeah, I guess Minnesota would make some sense. Uh, Philip Gustafson hasn't been as good as I thought he would be, but I guess there is still a potential that he could come back to form. According this to- is part of the reason why the Sens traded him. It's because before his big year last year, mm-hmm. uh, he was putting up numbers like, like this. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess, yeah, that's fair. I, I mean, you never really know with goaltenders and all that stuff, but I think like just the fact that what he did in the second half of last year, it's like it's still remarkable. So I'm not dis like discounting what he's capable of doing, and I guess it's very possible that he could just come back to form. It's not like a Jack Campbell situation where he's going to a different team. It's like he did this while he was in a Minnesota Wild 
system, so there is potential that he can still figure it out on the same team. Um, it's just like, oh, okay, I guess he's he's not back. But um, but yeah, according to Money Puck, because uh, they do these like playoff odds right now, they do have Edmonton as a fifty six point nine percent chance of making the playoffs right now. Um, so that's pretty high. Um, they say Minnesota has a 24.5% chance of making the playoffs. Um, they gave Arizona a 32.4% chance, Seattle wow. 36% chance. Um, so they don't, they're not as high on Minnesota as you are, Steve. Um, but they are higher on Edmonton than even I am, and I think Edmonton might make a push. Um, so, so that's kind of interesting there as well. Um, but yeah, and they uh, they give Anaheim a two point one percent chance of making the playoffs, which I think is kind of funny. Um, and do you want do you have a guess on what they have for C- San Jose making the playoffs? Negative uh, three. Close. Point one percent chance. Okay, so about as low as you can go without yeah. going negative. So you're That's saying right. there's a chance? Yes, exactly. Uh, I'm side. sure they would take their chances on first overall instead of a playoff spot. Exactly, exactly. Um, okay. Um, we now go to the rapid fire, unless you have other things you want to say. No, let's go for it. Start the timer. All right. So, uh, Marc-Andre Fleury, speaking of the wild, um, he uh, wore this mask um, that uh, he is actually, I didn't realize this, but his wife is a Native American, um, and he wore this mask um, to uh, to practice to warmups, um, and the NHL d- like originally didn't allow him to do that, but I guess he's accepting the fines. So it's one of those weird like stick tape things. Um, this this mask was uh, custom designed by Cole Red Horse Taylor, I guess who's a Native American. Um, it quotes. Uh, his dad on the back has names of his kids, um, and he's bummed the NHL has informed him he can't even wear them in warm-ups. But, um, but according to Michael Russo, he has decided to wear the mask, um, and um, it seems, and then uh, Michael Russo says that it's very unlikely he or the Wild will be fine, but he's, he's just doing it anyway. So, um, so that's kind of nice that he's able to wear it. Um, and yeah, he wore it in the mask. Uh, he wore it in warmups, um, and it looks like the NHL, um, the NHL then threatened the Wild organization with an additional significant fine. But I think the Wild are accepting it, um, and and that's fine uh, with them. But yeah, so um, it's one. Of, it might be one of those Travis Dermott situations. I don't know why the NHL cares about. Uh, what the players wear on in warmups, um, but it's always it's just a weird situation there. But uh, but yeah, good for for Flurry to wear it and something that's significant for his family. So um, that's nice that he's able to do that. Even you know it's not it's not like he's a poor person, so he can accept the fine and all that stuff. I hope Brett doesn't mind me going on a little bit of a rant here. It won't take up too much, but I feel like I need to get this off my chest. And I send a message straight to the NHL headquarters. It's okay to say you were wrong. Yeah. You were dead wrong. 
in implementing such a policy that I don't think you really thought things through hard enough to begin with. It's one thing about the pride tape, but you look at Marc-Andre Fleury, he's one of the nicest human beings you will ever meet in your entire life. He's known as the practical jokester. He's not known for being front and center on issues bigger than hockey. And when he puts out something so close to his heart, so close to his family's heart, you have the gall to step in. And I know it's not be it's not because you think it's a bad idea. It's just like, hey, man, we're, we're, we're any type of cause, we're going to crack down on it. You know this. Have a heart, man. Like, mm -hmm. have a freaking heart and understand that some things are bigger than hockey. And fighting something that is bigger than hockey is only just going to cause another PR nightmare, which I don't know if you've been keeping track. This is the second time yep. the NHL has looked really bad on this rule. And when you have guys like Roberto Luongo backing Marc-Andre Fleury, one of the winningest goalies in this sport, uh, when you have guys online probably talking crap behind the NHL's back saying, what the heck is this league yep. and how is it being run and all this kind of stuff, it just makes you look bad. So either bulk up on your PR people to help you win more of these battles or go right back to the drawing board at the end of the year and come up with a better policy because this policy is flawed on so many levels. NHL, wake up and figure it out. Yeah, no, uh, ditto on everything you just said. Um, Vasilevsky um, made his season debut as I alluded to earlier on in this episode. Uh, yeah, he went 22 and 20, uh, or he, he went, uh, he had 22 saves on 24 shots. Um, the Lightning, I guess the bigger story though, is that the Lightning uh, won 8 to 2. Uh, do you have a guess on what Ranta, Auntie Ranta, who was the, the opponent's goaltender, um, what his save percentage in the, this game was? You might already um... know. It depends. Did he finish the game or no? He finished the game, yeah. Kachuk, he was the only goaltender in Carolina's net that game. Well, I know uh, there was this stat where Tampa scored more goals than uh, the goalie had shots stopped, so I'm going to say below 500 save percentage. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was going to be the, the trivia question, but you you already had that. Yeah, so he had, uh, he, he had six saves, eight goals allowed, um, so 14 shots, and so yeah, he finished with a 4.29 save percentage, uh, which I, I think that's the first time that's ever happened, um, which is kind of yeah. That's an NHL oddity for sure. Yeah, that yeah. that uh, those that score sheet needs to be put in the Hall of Fame. It's it's weird too because it's not. I mean, Ranta isn't really like you know like an elite goaltender or anything like that, but he's still like a decent goaltender. Um, you could do worse as a backup goaltender. Um, and the to their defense entirely. Yeah. And it, yeah, and Carolina has a pretty good defense as well. So it's like, that's kind of crazy that um, they even allow, like, they put him in. I guess it was because they were on a back to back and all that. But, um, but yeah, it's insane that that happened. But that was the bigger story than the fact that uh, Vasilevsky is back in net for Tampa Bay. Um, but yeah, watch out for Tampa Bay because, um, as I alluded to, it's like the fact that they were able to be in a playoff position without Vasilevsky 
um, just shows how good they can be with it. And then you add Vasilevsky into it. Um, it's like, okay, I guess we're, we're working with something here. Um, and yeah, it's, it's definitely scary as a Bruins fan. Um, I think Kucherov had like six points. Braden Point had five yeah. in that game as well. Uh, we're all doomed. Yeah, we're all doomed, basically. Um, in other news, I also alluded to this as well. Nico Heischer is back. Uh, he had a goal and an assist um, in his uh, in in that game as well. Um, but yeah, uh, Nico Heischer is also back as well. Um, do you have anything else on? Oh, sorry, I feel like I went too quick. Do you have anything on those two stories? Um, uh, I already said my piece on Vasilevsky. We're dead. Yep. And um, as I said uh, with the Devils, um, they started to struggle once Heischer went down. And uh, the first game he came back, they throw the Sabres. So um, I think similar to Tampa Bay, New Jersey is a much better team with this guy in the lineup. And um, I think it's going to reflect in their performances uh, down the line. Goaltending will be a different story, but I think their offense will be in sync and they'll get uh, some pretty solid two-way play from their captain as well. Yep, for sure. Um, Taylor Hall, it turns out, he kept on feeling like he came back in and then he came back out. Um, it looks like he is now officially out for the rest of the year. Um, so uh, so there's that. That's going to be uh, a tough a tough thing for for the uh, the Chicago Blackhawks. Um, it turns and then um, on the same line of thinking is Corey Perry. Um, it says that this is from um, Friedman. Um, and, or according to uh, Pat Morris, who uh, represents Corey Perry. Corey Perry has stepped away from the Chicago Blackhawks to attend to personal matters. Corey and his family, family appreciate privacy at this time. We don't know, of course, we don't know what exactly that is. But yeah, it looks like Corey Perry is, um, is not on the team at the moment. Um, and yet yeah, the team cites it as an organizational decision. So it looks like it's just a personal matter. Of course, we don't want to speculate about exactly what it is, but, um, but yeah, there, there is something going on with Corey Perry, but of course, uh, Taylor Hall, um, is, uh, worse loss. Um, and, um, yeah, I mean, it's not like Chicago is planning on making the playoffs anyways, or pushing for it. Um, and it's all just to see how Connor Bedard's going to do, but, um, but yeah, it's, um, I mean, Connor Bedard is awesome. Um, and he's, he's been as good as advertised so far. Um, but, um, but yeah, it's, you know, obviously this still stings that, um, you know, the reason why you get Corey Perry or the reason why you get Taylor Hall is so that they can help out, uh, Connor Bedard and Lucas Reichel, um, get accustomed to the league. But yeah, it looks like they're, they may not be on the team, um, as much as, as they, um, they want. So, um, yeah, we'll see. Well, obviously with Corey Perry's stuff, first off, um, you know, being linked to family matters and stuff, uh, whatever's going on, we wish Corey Perry and his family the best. Um, we're not in a position to really know about his situation, nor yep. do we uh, have any right to really know about his situation. If it, if it's something that uh, he wants to divulge, he's free to do so. If it's something he wants to keep quiet, that's that's his yep. choice as well. 
Um, but just the way that word was getting out about why he was abruptly scratched from like mm. a practice or a game. Yeah, and it's it was just odd. quote an organizational decision. Like, do you know how how easy it is to speculate in today's society, especially when we're talking about an organization that is just yep. coming off a pretty hefty scandal? When yep. you're talking about an organizational decision, the first thing that people are going to think about is like, oh, what did Corey Perry do? Did he do something illegal? Did mm. he get arrested? And just all these kinds of things can just surface out of the woodwork. And at, at this point, just say, just say, well, talk about it in the morning when we have time to sort it all out. But the second you put organizational decision as the reason for taking someone out of the lineup, it, it, it just it just creates needless conversations that don't have to happen and are easily avoidable. And I mm -hmm. think just controlling the narratives, having good PR is something that the Blackhawks have struggled with. And that's a, a bigger problem that needs to be rectified uh, in the coming years, especially as they try to um, win with this uh, young core that they've got going on. Uh, in terms of the Taylor Hall injury, it's not linked to the injury that he suffered earlier in the year that was shoulder related. This is a right knee surgery. I think ACL, as a matter of fact, is uh, the exact diagnosis, which uh, cut yep. short his season. So a very bad start to Taylor Hall's tenure as a member of the Hawks. Um, but yeah, as you mentioned, from a leadership perspective, not having Corey Perry or Taylor Hall there is going to be um, a tough loss for the young guys like mm. Connor Bedard. And now they go from gradually learning the NHL ropes to being in fight or flight mode for basically now until April. Yeah, I mean, I imagine, uh, obviously, I don't know how serious it is with Corey Perry and his family, but I imagine um, Taylor Hall could, like, yeah, he might not, he's not going to be on the ice, but he'll still be around for practices and whatnot. So you can still get some mentorship there. Of course, it's not the same, though. Um, but, yeah, so they, they still have, and they also have, like, Nick Felino, Seth Jones, who's been in the league for a few years. So True. they still have some leadership quality people there, but it's obviously it's like, okay, that's a big reason why you get Taylor Hall and Corey Perry is for that leadership stuff. Um, and they, you know, they score every now and then. But, um, yeah, so so maybe that that's more of, like, the thinking from my point of view. Um, but yeah, you have a good point about the um, organizational decision. It is a little strange on how they handled it. Um, speaking of um, how teams handled it, it looks like Sam Girard uh, entered the NHL Player Assistance Program. At first, the uh, Jared Bednar said that he was uh, taking some time off due to family reasons, just like Corey Perry. But then Sam Girard made a statement uh from caa hockey which i think does like uh they're like player agents basically or an agency um he said sam gerard says um quote i have made a proactive decision to take care of my mental health and will be entering treatment for severe anxiety and depression that has gone untreated for for too long and led to alcohol abuse taking care of your mental health is of the utmost importance and i encourage everyone to speak up and seek help should you feel like you need it, I want to express my gratitude to my wife, family, friends, the club, my teammates, and the fans for their patience, understanding, and continued support. So it's nice that he's um, able to get some help um, and or admit that he has some 
some issue and it takes a lot of courage to just even just recognize that you need help that's the first step um to all these different things so i hope i hope he's well and all that stuff but um of course that's uh it's a big loss for the avalanche of course um but they do have on the other end on the hockey side of things um they do have a lot of good defensemen out there so it's not like a huge loss um but um and they'll overcome it but it's still of course it's like all right good for good for sam gerard um i'm happy that he's getting some some help that's something that he's clearly struggling with so i appreciate that and to be so open and honest exactly. like right away like usually we find out after the fact you know why why were you away from the team um yep. he doesn't have to go out and, and and say that publicly before he enters the program but you know always appreciate a player's honesty for for being so so open and honest and and you know not feeling afraid to to feel vulnerable for a minute and say hey i'm yep. i'm dealing with some problems right now um this is why i'm taking time away from the team he doesn't have to go out and say that but uh, it's it's it, it really opens your eyes when uh, when somebody does that and also the fact that he's he's been dealing with you know uh, all of these trade rumors uh, yep. in, in the past couple of off seasons it feels like he's been on the rumor mill almost every time true and um you know i i can't even imagine you know sometimes how how those can can take a toll on a player like these are people's lives that you're playing with it's not just numbers and salaries yep uh so time's up here um but uh we are so that's it for us on the show pretty short episode but i guess that that checks out um and uh yeah so in any case um you can follow us on us uh, twitter um at lace up podcast or yeah our facebook i always forget is non-existent at the moment um but uh yeah that's lace them up um, you can follow us or subscribe to us on Spotify, iTunes, wherever else you get your podcast at Lace Them Up. Um, that's about it. I'm Brett Duboff. I'm Steve Ellsworth, and we'll talk again in episode 390 of the Lace Them Up podcast.